Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. Welcome to the Tour Operator Startup Series on the Tourpreneur Podcast. Travel industry veteran, Nikki Padilla Rivera follows a tour operator startup on their journey from idea to execution to we don't know where. We hope it's to success. But you're going to have to listen in each month to find out. And now, welcome your host, Nikki Padilla Rivera. Hi, tourpreneurs. I am Nikki Padilla Rivera, and I am thrilled to be starting back up the tourpreneur mini series, Tour Operator Startup. Sheen had created this mini-series last year as a monthly series that would actually follow a tourpreneur over time as they start up and build their tour business. So really following someone on their journey from start to whatever point they stop returning calls to be on the podcast, hopefully due to incredibly overwhelming success on their part. And to find out what happens, you'll just have to listen in each month as this is happening in real time. We also hope you'll contribute to this series by offering your own insights, advice, and experience on the Facebook group to help these tourpreneur newbies create a thriving tour business right from the start. So in today's episode, we are going to meet Ripley Stevens and Sita Sargent, the directors of She Shapes History in Canberra, Australia. Their tours connect the past to the present, have a very, very strong social justice mission, and more importantly, celebrate how women have shaped Australia, hopefully inspiring guests to reflect on how they too can shape history. And in this first episode, you'll get to meet both Ripley and Sita, learn a bit more about why they wanted to start She Shapes History, and discuss some of the challenges they've hit. Believe it or not, the biggest one so far has been over water bottles. And also the wins, of course, including incredible support from major local cultural institutions in Canberra, and what their experience has been generally, both being pretty new to the travel industry. And I have full permission from Shane to just go for it. At least I'm pretty sure I do. So I'm not going to be worrying about making this seem like a shiny, rainbow-filled journey. Think of this as a really juicy reality TV show. We're going to dig into the losses, the mistakes, just as much as we're going to celebrate the wins. So today, I'm thrilled to introduce you to Ripley and Sita's story, and we'll check in with them monthly as they build their tour business. Any show notes you can follow on touroperatorstartup.com. Welcome, both of you, Ripley and Sita, to the very new reboot of The Startup. I'm so excited. Welcome. We are super excited. We love Torpreneur, so this is the best. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having us. I have to say, when Shane said these two reached out to me 
And I looked on their site, I'm reading about their tours, and I just feel like this is right up your alley. And I looked and I was so excited and looking at your your brand missions and the tours that you want to do. So, I mean, do you just want to introduce yourselves to, to start off? What tours you're giving, the name of your company, and what brought you to this decision? Why tours? Why start a tour company? Yeah, I'm happy to take the lead on this. Um, so our business is called She Shapes History. It came to be quite organically, like neither Ripley or I were in the tourism industry at all. We were both in higher education, working as research assistants. And we back up earlier this year after kind of like years apart, you know, talking about what we'd been doing, how we were both quite unhappy with I guess for our lives, especially with work, we were just both unhappy and unfulfilled in our work, really. And not really seeing kind of like a path forward where we could do like genuine public engagement through academia, which is such a shame. And we were both talking about kind of our love of Canberra's cultural institutions and our love of women's history and had a bit of a moment where we were just like, oh, my God, there isn't enough focus on kind of women's history in Canberra. All good tours. We were both kind of saying, like, we love tours. Where are the good Canberra tours? There are some, but yeah, we just saw this gap in the market. We thought, oh. Yeah. So it kind of like the first time that we had met up after like years apart, She Shapes History was kind of born. Both of us just going, how does this not already exist? (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like this kind of came just out of conversation of both of you wanting to do more right? Like do more good. It sounds like in your other work, you were kind of striving and, and hitting a wall, I guess you could say, right? If we can't really have, I don't know, enough impact. Is that what you were feeling? And you saw tours as the way to do that? Yeah. I really missed working with people in honesty. Like I was working remotely and it was driving me crazy. And so when we started talking about tours and the idea of just sharing and giving someone a really amazing experience, it just, I don't know, it made us so excited because it felt like a real purpose. Yeah. You're and speaking I, my yes. language. <laughs> <laughs> there is so much purpose through tours. I agree. Yeah. Like, and I think the thing for both of us is we had never considered tourism as a career option at all, which is kind of insane because we're both super extroverted people who love like sharing new knowledge and making it accessible. Yet neither of us mm. had ever looked at tourism and gone, yep, that's a career I'll pursue, which Looking at that now is just wild because it kind of ticks all of the boxes that I wanted for a career. It is actually something that travel in general in most of the roles, it's not something you learn about in school. You know, you can go to hospitality institutions and there's very specific career paths, but I don't know that I've ever come upon a program that leads you to build your own tours and then sell them and package them. It is kind of something you have to stumble upon later in life for some reason. Yeah, we really did stumble into it, it, weirdly enough, in that first coffee. And it just very organically grew from that day. Where did you start from there? I mean, you have this conversation, you're like, yeah, let's do tours, neither having any sort of background or connection to tours, <laughs> that correct? So what, what do you do? Where do you start? Well, I think kind of because both Ripley and I are extremely confident people. And I've realized... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> That's a very confident <laughs> statement. So, <laughs> like, 
No, it's true. Well, like, if you can say it, you're confident. Right. <laughs> no, just because I realized that, like, when we're talking to friends who, like, aren't willing to, like, change careers or take a risk, that we're both really confident. And we talk about this. It's true. It's true. We both are leapers. Like, we just leapt in. <laughs> Like, let's do it. Yeah. And I think because we both come from kind of like research backgrounds, but also we were both in the NGO space and had delivered workshops in schools that we brought a bunch of other creative thinking. You want to take the But like, yeah, in terms of where we started, we started with the name and we came up with a bunch of terrible names. Ooh, do you remember any? Oh, like hidden histories was one of them, but then we looked it up and it was taken by like a million tours. So it was bad in the sense it was very generic. And then we had some terrible ones, which I won't mention. Then we hit on She Shapes History and we liked the alliteration and that it was simple and it caught what we were doing, which was difficult because we're trying to do so many things in this. So yeah, the name was the start. I think it was actually after that coffee, you sent me a Google Doc with all of your thoughts about what we could do with this, this long Google Doc. And it included like, this is what I think we should do. These are our values. Yeah, it was the whole (laughs) values of the whole company that didn't exist. And I was so impressed. I was like, holy shit, this could be something. I thought that was the coolest thing ever, which I think shows how much of a nerd I am. I think Uh, that's the coolest thing ever. So many companies, they start with the why, but it's more of the why of the gap, which you obviously identified as well. It's like, this is why there's this gap and we're going to fill this in this way. But the fact that you started with a much wider why that you're sort of like driven through life by this mission, I just love. And actually, do you mind summarizing that? Like, what would you say the purpose is through these tours? In Australia, there has been huge conversations about respect for women. Like our rates of domestic violence here are extremely high. We've got one woman murdered a week here at the moment. So we're having this national conversation about respect for women. And both Cedar and I came together and we just went, what is something we can do that's simple but actually does foster respect for women? And this concept was like something that was doable especially given and it was a walking tour, like we didn't even have to buy, you know, bikes or anything. It was just simple. So we thought, yeah, this is one simple thing we can do to be part of this national conversation because mm. it is a huge issue here. And I, I think just to add on to that, I think that that was definitely kind of where it started. <laughs> but for both of us, it's also grown into how history can be used to kind of just reimagine our national identity. Because mm. um, Australia has a really diverse history. There were Chinese people at the start of like Australia's kind of colonization. There were African people, there were South Asians. And none of that gets taught in school, like mm. at all. I think for both of us, part of kind of being a multicultural country and stepping into a multicultural future is recognizing that you have always been a multicultural country. I think that we just see a lot of power in sharing history. That to me is why I am in this business. I mean, that resonates so much. I think the whole world has changed so much (laughs) over the past year. And I do think there are a lot of countries 
a lot of countries who have had this internal social reckoning over the past years. In Australia, as you're saying, based in the US, we've had our own. And I do believe that the customer will want something different moving forward. I'm a big proponent of we can't isolate people. So I'm not saying we're not going to have the big bus tours. We're not going to have, you know, the big groups of 50 people. But at the same time, I think no matter how you're traveling, I think people are going to increasingly ask for more information than what has been taught in schools. What is the same rhetoric that every tour guide studies to give any tour around the world? It's the same information that's pretty watered down, to be honest, and from a very specific perspective in history. And so I think that it's almost going to be to the detriment of a company to not recognize that coming out of this as we start to travel again and to incorporate those ideas and the, the fact that history is changing because we know better now. We know more things are reexamining. And I, I think that's so important. So I, you're really so far ahead of the curve, I think, in this. You are, correct me if I'm wrong, looking to target locals with this which is super interesting because it's to your mission that you really want to have an impact on Australia, on local culture, on what's happening in Canberra. And to do that, you need to hit, what are people in Canberra called? Is there a word? Oh, Canberrans. Oh, Canberrans. (laughs) (laughs) It was that sort of part of the mission of, obviously this is also super niche, the content, but where was that just a natural progression of, oh, we're going to cater to locals? I actually think that we started by wanting to cater to locals. Yeah, we did. Um, And we weren't even thinking about kind of domestic tourists and people coming to Canberra. It was locals from the start. I think that was partly because we had no idea what we were doing in honesty. And we were like, there's people in Canberra who'd be interested in this. Yeah, Um, but it's really grown. Talking to Visit Canberra, who's our kind of tourism, tourism peak body, we had a meeting with them really early on. And it was from that kind of meeting that we learned about how many people actually come to Canberra, the sort of people who come. How long they stay for, all of that really important information you need to know when you start a tour company. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that really kind of opened both of our eyes to what was possible with tourism. And I actually think that was Mm. the first moment where we went like, wow, this could be a full-time thing. Um, There is enough demand for this. It won't just have to be like a side hustle. Hopefully, yes. <laughs> I am so impressed that, and I do not mean this in a demeaning way, but that you have accidentally done the optimal things at each step to kind of prepare for success. I mean, the fact that you've already reached out to local tourism bodies is incredible because they do, they have that information, but not everyone seeks to make that relationship or to to get that information from them. How did it occur to you to do that? Did you just start looking around and and did you just call them up or email them? Was it easy to get a meeting with them? We didn't have the language around being a values-based tourism company, but we found Invisible Cities online and then we found the Torpreneur podcast and we listened to that episode and it was just this light bulb moment where we went, oh, we need to start reaching out to local tourism bodies. We need to start like saying we're values-based and all that stuff. So that one episode really brought a lot of things together for us. I highly recommend that episode. (laughs) Invisible Cities is such an amazing uh, tour company and they are a social impact tour company. So that is their core. They start from the social impact that they can have through their tours, Um, which is again, really what you're doing, but you're doing it in 
in such a, a digestible, easy way. Now I'm bouncing around, but I, I love that you started with where are the women? Like just that simple question of where are they? Why are they not here? And and it does, it seems so simple to do it through tours and to spread those stories. I can just speak back to your early point about actually kind of contacting people. Yeah. Because it's been a real mix. So we've also reached out to like the National Gallery of Australia and the National Library and the archives and, you know, like Old Parliament House. And we just did that through emails. Um, And we didn't always get a response on our first email. So like we would send follow-up emails and then for some we would call to follow up. Mm -hmm. So I think as well, like we're both very persistent people, but it could, it was really disheartening not to get responses kind of right away. Yeah, it was. It wasn't a surprise, but it was the perseverance because I hate calling people, to be honest. And so to just call up and be like, hey, we sent you four emails. Like, did you get them? Are you interested? Yeah. I mean, did anyone like to clarify, like, was there any phone call that you made where someone was like, please stop messaging me? I won't name who this was, but there was one institution who I have honestly contacted probably 25 times, probably more actually, via phone call, email. It nearly got to the point of getting a carrier pigeon. It was a lot. And they've just never got back. So still to this day, they've not got back. So we just let that go. <laughs> but, but I asked that question to kind of prove the point because no one likes picking up the phone. It's it's a horrible thing, especially to our generation. And, and I, I say that for other entrepreneurs to hear this and say, yes, it's scary, but they usually pick up and it's usually worth it. And they're usually not going to totally shut you down. No, we mm. found people have been so receptive. Yeah. Like, it's been yeah. crazy. Like I wasn't, expecting people to be on as on board and willing to help us as yeah they have been. that's that's been a surprise and, actually and these have been major cultural institutions as well who have said like what can we do to help you that's one of the things mm. that took me back in a lot of these meetings with them we thought we were going to have to go in and like pitch ourselves but instead <laughs> the meetings were like what do you want from us what can we do to help you and make this happen like we love what you're doing and then we were totally thrown because we had this pitch prepared and then we were like ah, ah what, what do we want from you ah what was in the end did you determine what was the ask the main ask for any of these institutions well it really changed um so for some institutions it was about access to the building um which has been really good like we've worked with one in particular to make sure that our tours kind of don't clash with their tours when they're running them so we can use kind of interesting spaces Mm -hmm. and so we're the only ones in a space um, for other ones, it's kind of the access to materials and being and getting kind of trained up on the system on how to really take advantage of these spaces. For others, it's publicity and like just kind of sharing. But actually, a really interesting thing that I think that we're doing that's a bit different because I haven't heard of anyone else doing this is we are doing test tours before we actually jump in to doing proper tours. Oh, not so much the uniqueness of doing test tours, like people do do that, but the uniqueness that we're inviting the partners. So all the cultural institutions, every meeting Mm. we've had, we've invited them on the test tour. And we thought that would be a good way to get them to kind of feel part of the process and that co-design process. Have they come? They're booked. So these tours are yet to happen, but they're (laughs) booked in. Yeah. So that's been really good, I think. Yeah. Everyone has been so flattered to be asked and that's the thing that we talk about like people are always really flattered to be asked and be like oh you'd want my expertise you'd want my opinion on this to help you kind of shape this at a really ground level 
yeah, people have just been so willing to give their time. Yeah, and- really generous. Everyone's like someone looked over our press release. Actually, we had two people offer to look over our press release. One was an academic historian. This really shows me that a purpose-driven company has, first of all, a unique selling point, right? That's kind of one of the main benefits to it. But the other side is that having a purpose-driven company means that it makes it hard for people to say no, doesn't it? Like if one of these institutions had said to you, no, we don't believe in spreading history of women and, and correcting you know, the wrongs in our, in our country. I mean, they can't really say that. They almost have to, you've guilted them in, no, to saying, well, if I'm a good person, <laughs> I have to get on board. And, and But in all seriousness, I, I think there is that added, not pressure, but pull to be involved, to be invested, to have a helping hand, um, which is amazing. I mean, I think any tour operator, you know, to have that kind of support is just gold. Um, So it's so fantastic to have it before you even lift off. Yeah, I think it just is something bigger than us and something bigger than just a company. Like people are already on board with the fact that women need more visibility and respect. So the buy-in is already there, really. Not always, let me add, but (laughs) most of the time. Did you know every weekday Shane curates the most interesting news articles in tours and activities and sends them out in a snappy daily digest? Grab your copy of the Tourpreneur Daily Briefing at www.tourpreneur.com. Where are you at right now? Just so we have a sense. Like, where are you at? What are, what are kind of the upcoming to-dos? What are you stressed about? What are you excited for? It's insane starting a business there's a lot of things there's so many things that you don't think of like going into this I genuinely thought that the hardest part would be working on the content and kind of creating a tour boy was I wrong (laughs) that's so true that's been a dream yeah that's the fun part yep um but yeah so we kind of track everything on Trello and just manage everything on there and that's been so helpful. With Trello, we have gotten to the point where we put in an agenda for the day, like what we are going to talk about because because we're friends, we know we need to structure like everything's, but it's Trello's just been so good. Yeah. And, and it's uh, free as well. Yeah. The version we're using. Yeah. Like, we're not getting any yeah. like kickbacks from yeah. anything. <laughs> and we planted out like week by week in from kind of when we started to when we were going to launch. So we had a 12 week kind of plan, <laughs> which has been loose plan, um, <laughs> which has expanded a bit as we've yeah. kind of realized that things take a bit longer than we initially mm. thought. But yeah, this week we worked on our media release and kind of refining yeah. that. We got a lot of great feedback from people about that. We've worked on kind of getting our business phone because we realized. Oh, that was, a, yeah, that was a time. Because <laughs> we just realized that we couldn't use our own kind of mobile phone numbers. And both of us are massive, massive believers in boundaries and being able to just switch off and not constantly being connected. Like we've had a lot of conversations. Yeah. Heaps of conversations about mental health and when it's your own business, like how hard it is to switch off from it, especially because we love it and we want to put everything into it. Yeah. But then we both have like other things that we need to do in order to keep loving it. And so mm. it doesn't kind of become, you know, this all encompassing beast that takes <laughs> over our lives. Mm. 
Do you think you'll be at an advantage, at least being two of you, so that someone can give 110% if the other person needs that extra support and vice versa? 100%. Like to give you an example, like I was finishing my thesis at the end of May and I just couldn't kind of put much time into She Shapes History. And like I wasn't able to respond to emails or really do much at all because I was so focused on finishing that. And Ripley was incredible and was able to just kind of pick up the lead, take up the lead and like really work on it. And I felt so comfortable knowing that I don't have to think about She Shakes history for two weeks because Ripley is. I don't think I would have done this alone. No, I wouldn't have either. I think it would be too overwhelming, especially how with how ambitious we've been yeah. and but, yeah. but even like small stuff, like there have been a few times where we've just sat together and kind of wrote emails together or like drafting, you know, incident reports and things like that together, yeah, yeah. which has just been, I never realized kind of how enjoyable actually writing stuff with someone else is and how quick it can be just to kind of, cause you cut out the drafting process cause you're doing it, the editing process, cause you're kind of drafting it together. Mm. I definitely think that there are a lot of advantages from being a duo. And part of that means that we can switch off at certain times. I love that. So you mentioned your press release. You mentioned the business phones set going. You've had conversations about boundaries. You're checking all the boxes that aren't even on lists, which is amazing. What's sort of the next milestone is maybe the question I want to ask. Uh, the test tours. Okay. So when are those planned for? End of June. And we're just kind of like, in the process of really finalizing content and we have a lot of things that we give to people on the tour like we give cards kind of like recipes for social change and they are fun things like kind of how to dismiss a government how to you know start an embassy I won't give them all away because you need you to come on our tour but so we're like it's a really interactive tour and we like give things like tote bags and, you know. Um... And the water. <laughs> Sorry, the water's oh, been a point. No, I, I know this is a point of contention. Tell us <laughs> about the water. I love the drama. <laughs> oh, okay, so it's like great being a partnership, but occasionally we do stumble upon decisions where we both just disagree and we're both like, no, that's not a good decision. So I am a big believer that our ideal customer is someone who believes in the environment. And wants it to succeed. Believes in bug. <laughs> and because of that, I thought handing out plastic water bottles would be like completely anti what anyone coming on our tour would want. So I then did my research and found this really great kind of eco-friendly water bottle alternative. It was um, cardboard and they looked beautiful and they were run by a woman. The company was run by a woman. It was a small business. And they were really expensive. They were so expensive. <laughs> you can tell by my tone. I was like, no. <laughs> and um, Ripley was not on board. Not that I'm like, screw the climate, because that's not where I'm coming from. But I was a bit like, oh, our poor budget, it is going to perish. Yeah. Um, but then over time and through lots of like, do you hate the environment, Ripley <laughs> conversation. <laughs> And I guess also showing how we could make it work in our budget. Yeah. We eventually came to my side <laughs> and an understanding that eco-friendly water bottles would not only be good for the environment, but they would be a real value add because people would kind of see that you wouldn't expect it. 
Can I just add, if people in the test tours say, I don't care about this, we do have to reconsider it. That's my only input. (laughs) As researchers, what's sort of the plan for feedback on those test tours? Yeah, I'm just going to interrogate them about the water. (laughs) So we're going to have like a very detailed feedback form. Yeah, to make sure that like from everything from kind of the booking process to whether they think that we're charging too much or too little the content itself, but we really wanted to focus on the customer service side of things and not just the content. Yeah. Are you going to have any plans for them doing that sort of live in a casual way at the end of the tour? Yeah, I think we're going to print them off because we had a lot of conversations about whether they would do it as a Google form later or, but we thought it's probably better to get it fresh on the day. I've been on a couple of test tours where it's, we finished like at a bar and just even getting them to say generally in within the group, you know, asking them a very open-ended question of what was your favorite part? You know, you want, you're looking for the positive. I just find that it's interesting when they're together that they actually start bouncing off of one another and thinking of things. It's interesting to see who agrees with who and who is a, a descending voice. Just something to add on. Yeah, yeah, that could be good. Yeah, that's a great idea. Also, I am curious about the price point of these tours because you've listed tote bags, water bottles, potentially these things that you're going to need to print presumably and hand out. I mean, these are a lot of added costs. I'm assuming you've done research on what the average price point is of tours around and then price tours, maybe even comparing to like other activities that someone would do in Canberra. Yeah, price has been a time-consuming thing for us. We thought it was really simple initially, and then we did a lot of research. We're reading this book called My Personal MBA, and that's been really good because that had heaps in it about pricing. And, yeah, we got to the point of, like, what, how many days did we talk about price? So many. It was, like, every meeting for, like, a month we were talking about pricing. Yeah, because it's so important, and we really didn't want to put people off, and we wanted it to be accessible. So we ended up at $70 per person, which is on the cheaper end for Canberra, but it's not, obviously it's not like $25, which is probably what we wanted initially. Yeah. And we came to that number through really spending time with our budget and figuring out how, what running the tour would cost. And also in terms of like our hourly rate and paying for things like research and yeah all of this stuff behind the scenes so that number is a reflection of kind of what it costs to run she shapes history and then also have like a bit that we can put aside for kind of other things mm. in the future or if something goes wrong covid for instance <laughs> like we're hoping covid doesn't affect our test tours because yeah. <laughs> there's been a bit of an outbreak in victoria and new south wales here so that's kind of lingering over our heads a bit. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a, that must be a huge lingering thought. Yeah, I mean, we're pretty, we've been pretty good here, especially in Canberra. Like Canberra's been very, very lucky and sheltered from COVID. But yeah, it's tricky. You just never know, I guess, which everyone's facing, right? It's true, but it, it does sound like you're preparing so much. I just think you're in the, in the best shape that you could be. You know, even all this thought that's going in. And just a thought on pricing, if it makes you feel better. I struggle with that a lot. Travel is very inaccessible because of price. Um, So it does kind of feel like, okay, we're bringing this diversity in storytelling, but not really to the masses because only for those who can actually have the luxury to travel. But I think the flip side of that is by supporting the people you are through your tour, 
those who might not be able to afford to take it are going to benefit in other ways, right? So perhaps this female who makes the water bottles, not to bring that up again, or or it's other local businesses that you're pointing out, you know, during the tour. I think the more people you can get on your tour in a way that sustains you so that you can continue to give the tour, the more people you can spread the history to, the stories of the women, and the more business you can spread around. So I, I if that gives you solace at all. Mm. No, and that's a really good point because it's something that we do talk about a lot, like the sustainability side yeah, of running yeah. a business in that night. Both of us want to be doing this for a while. Like we don't want to just burn out because we're having to do this as well as working like another job mm. and a full time to sustain ourselves. So on your point about being able to kind of having maybe a higher price point so you can do other things, that's something that we've spoken about so much in yeah. terms of like events and Oh, I was just thinking about the pay it forward thing that Mm. we've been thinking about as well, because we wanted to make that an option for people. So if they did want to pay it forward for someone who couldn't afford it, that could be something and one way to make it more accessible. Yeah. Whether people do that is the thing we'll find out, but yeah. But even thinking about things like concession pricing. Yeah. Because that was something that admittedly, I think not really thought in depth about it first and then um one of our friends pointed it out to us basically she's she's like my friend for brutal feedback she's just like very honest and she looked at the website and she said where's the senior pricing where's the healthcare card pricing and I was like oh okay (laughs) but I it'll be interesting to see who does end up coming on our tours because at the beginning like that was really important to us that we would get a mix of people coming on Mm. um but then you kind of have the price point now, which is what we need to be sustainable as a business. And yeah, it makes you wonder like who will end up actually yeah. engaging with these ideas. So I guess we'll see. You guys can check back in. With yeah, that. we'll check. We'll, we'll put a pin in that. I do want to go back to the the content of these tours and particularly in how you plan on marketing them, because I know marketing has come up. And this is sort of the same thing that we're talking about is there's this really strong purpose but you also need to be able to sell the tour. Have you found that in conflict at all? Are you really confident that you can dig in deep and be able to sell these tours? Or have you found it all that you've needed to not sort of water it down, but alter it a little bit to match the demographic that you know is coming in through the numbers that you've gotten from Visit Canberra? We've done a lot of tweaking and I think we've tweaked it and tweaked it and will continue to to make it have a little bit more mass appeal because at first we were using very heavy feminist language and academic language because that's our background and we really have made it like the cards even cedar like what do we what do we call them at first we had that very convoluted way of explaining it I can't even remember it was like collaboration, acknowledgement, legacy, contribution. Like it was just very wordy. So then we've redone it and we just called it recipes for social change and made it more fun and like less wordy. And and a lot more accessible. Like that's something that's really important to both of us, just having content that's accessible, like history and the humanities should not be in an accessible field. Everyone should be able to engage with these ideas. And I genuinely believe that if you aren't understanding something, it's the fault of the teacher. It's not yours. They just need to explain it better. And I think that that's something that kind of we think about a bit, how to make content accessible and interesting and to have that mass market appeal. Like that's what we want. We want people who wouldn't ordinarily engage with these histories to come on our tours and to engage with them. But 
not in a way that sells it for something that it isn't. Yeah, yeah. We didn't want to deceive people and be like, <laughs> it's not about women at all, but it is, but come on at all. Like, <laughs> you'll love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, the marketing side has been really interesting mm. and just the forms of like marketing, look at doing research into digital marketing and like social advertising. Oh my gosh. Are there sort of platforms that you've chosen to go with or social media platforms? We are so lucky that Visit Canberra was running a tourism reboot session. Like it was like a very short tourism school for free. Mm -hmm. And they've done a lot of modules on digital marketing. So God, that was good timing for us because it's been a big learning curve. So we've got an Instagram, a Facebook now, a TikTok, which we have not uploaded to, (laughs) but will. (laughs) We have lots of ideas for TikTok. Which just hasn't (laughs) happened yet, but it will. Would you say before this workshop, both of you are fairly social media, both savvy and also that you enjoy it? I think that Ripley's way more social media savvy than me. I would not have social media or probably a phone if I didn't need <laughs> you to. You wouldn't have a phone? I've considered getting rid of it. Oh my God. <laughs> so I am not the biggest fan of social media, but I've come on board. You're just an old soul. I'm just an old soul. <laughs> but... Ripley is a lot more like with it. Young and hip, as Cena would say. <laughs> um, and Ripley has been really good with TikTok and like identifying trends and I freaking love TikTok. Just let, let's just say that. It's so fun. It's just such a fun platform. And like Ripley yeah. has this great thing where they say you shouldn't kind of be posting on a platform that you're not using regularly, which is why we're going to be on TikTok because like, Ripley uses it super regularly and kind of knows the track. (laughs) I just sit on my phone constantly. I just think if you use a platform, you intuitively get to know it. Whereas when you sit in a classroom and learn about how to create an Instagram and it's very, very different thing. You're the customer, right? Like when you actually realize that you are also a customer. So I think obviously you need to make sure your customers are on that platform to make it worth it. But then I think the second bonus is if you too are a customer, because then you have both those perspectives when you're creating content. Yeah. It's probably a very obvious thing to say, but with TikTok, like especially there's a lot of nuance to it, which you wouldn't think. For those in the know, we won't go to inside baseball and TikTok. Don't worry. It's funny because I think that TikTok has actually been like the biggest stress of tour printers that I've noticed. <laughs> but it, this is good. This is good. Maybe we will have to do a social media episode so you can sort of ease people in. Mm. Yeah. Um, but just on that, so we decided not just to do kind of social and digital advertising. We've actually, we mm-hmm. are doing kind of media releases and really trying to leverage, you know, our story and like the values-based business that shapes history is yeah we're Um, hoping bookings will come from that that is the dream we yet to put that out there into the world well this is so topical that you've pointed out before right so I would imagine it's actually very media friendly and there's going to be a lot of traction because not only is it topical but it is also telling the stories of women It, it has such a social impact I would imagine that media outlets would be very excited compared to you know hey I'm doing a local food tour maybe not as newsworthy the other thing that we're doing is we're also doing um, some guerrilla marketing around Canberra. So guerrilla marketing is like just putting up kind of posters and using like wheat paste. And I'm a big fan of guerrilla marketing, which is maybe why we're doing it. 
if that actually be as useful. <laughs> I'm just missing doing straight ads. I'm like, I will do it in this business. And I'm like, where are the metrics? How can we measure the impact of this? <laughs> I'm just like, I just want to put up art. <laughs> so we made it, we're going to add a QR code to it so we can actually see if there's, if it's effective. Yes. Cynical. <laughs> that is so fun. I love that. I'll be very curious to see if you get hits on that QR code. That's a great idea. Yeah. yeah, well, we'll keep you posted about where we get bookings from because it's something that yeah. I'm always interested in. Yeah, because it's a mystery to us currently. So, <laughs> Obviously, people can sign up for your platform. They can follow you. You can see interest there. Do you have any other sort of lead generation where people can enter in to be part of a newsletter or to receive any sort of downloads from you or anything like that that you can also gauge interest? Yeah, that's a funny story, actually. So someone I work with was like oh I'm on your she shapes history mailing list and I went oh I didn't know we had that (laughs) because my husband had set it up on the website (laughs) she was like yeah it was quite good so (laughs) there you go so we're thinking of doing a newsletter and that kind of thing and just building the mailing list Mm -hmm. because we learned in our little tourism school that that's important yeah and the importance (laughs) of blogging as well so yeah we've been talking a lot about like the sort of content we want to um, write and produce for the blog and the sort of content that people mm. in Canberra read and the side of Canberra that we want to show people that we feel like isn't really being captured. Like, for example, Canberra is quite a spread out city, but most of the tourism content really focuses on the city and kind of around yeah. within probably about 5Ks of the CBD, whereas both Ripley and I live about 20k is on either end of the CBD. That's the Um, only struggle of our partnership. We live on opposite sides of Of the the city. And CBD, just for the for the Yankees out there, is like the downtown business area. Is that correct? Yeah. So it stands for Central Business District. But the thing that I was saying was the nice thing about us being kind of in you know the far north, in the far south, is we see a very different side of Canberra than what's reflected in kind of common tourism blogs like we see yeah yeah that's true like the hikes that aren't often publicized or you know cafes or crime (laughs) 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 like we just have a very I feel like we have a less sanitized version of Canberra like like a more real authentic version Um, and we will share that realness on our blog (laughs) (laughs) we're not to get murdered in Canberra oh my god (laughs) We do want to do a crime tour at some point. Yeah, in a way that's not like problematic and sus and about just women's violence. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. That's probably a conversation for a future episode. But there are so many awesome things in Canberra. Like Canberra has all the intelligence agencies. So I really want to do a um a spy tour of Canberra focusing on like famous female spies and actually going to these buildings because I know where I work, they take all the third year university students on this tour through the spy buildings that one of the academics runs. And I would like to do something similar, but for the ladies (laughs) and also everyone else, because I'm not exclusive. (laughs) Because we are inclusive. But focused on the ladies. (laughs) I love it. Thank you, Ripley and Sita, so much. It was just really great to get to know both of you and and learn more about your company. And I think moving forward, we're really going to dig deep into this. So I want to get into that pricing. I want to learn how the book goes. And if you've had to adjust it anymore, obviously the test tours, I guess the next time we'll speak will be after those have happened. 
hopefully, fingers crossed. So there'll be a lot to dig into there. So I want to thank both of you so much for being here and for sharing your story and being willing to share, you know, the challenges that you come up with. And and I think it's going to be so valuable to everyone listening. And we're going to also make sure to pay it back forward. So to those of you listening, if you have advice, if you have thoughts on pricing, or if you're running super niche tours or purpose-driven tours and you have advice, please go to the Torpreneur Facebook group, put it in there. And I already have some maybe guests we can bring on that you can pick their brains as well that are doing similar things. So sharing the value, sharing the advice, it's what we're all about. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us on. This has been fantastic. And we would love to connect with people in this space. Yeah, any advice is very welcome to two people who've been in the tourist business for what, three months? Four it's been months? almost six months. <laughs> six months. Okay. All right. <laughs> it was January 30th. That's our anniversary. Well, that's right. Well, I am thrilled that I'm going to be speaking to both of you once a month, and I'm really looking forward to the next one. Thanks for listening to the Torpreneur podcast. Be sure to visit torpreneur.com to join the conversation and access the show notes, including links to the resources mentioned on today's episode. This is Torpreneur.